0: Was the movie alien warning us about amazon and microsoft will aliens look and think like us will they be more conquistador or coronavirus coming up on social science fiction you're listening to social science fiction a podcast that blends political science and nerd culture examining the politics of science fiction and fantasy Hey, everybody, and welcome to week three of our October Halloween episodes. This week, it's aliens and alien invasion. Now, alien stories have a special place in my heart because for some reason, as a child, these were always the stories that truly terrified me. I was absolutely petrified of aliens and the idea of alien invasion and alien abduction as a child. I don't know why. I should probably talk to a psychologist about this and find out why this particular thing had me so scared as a child. More terrifying to me than vampires or zombies or anything else for some reason. Aliens was always the thing that really freaked me out. But today, I still find the idea of alien invasion fascinating and terrifying, and that's what we're talking about this week. And as I'm thinking about aliens and alien stories in science fiction, I think there's a few standard variations of the alien story. There is the alien, the monster. There is the alien, the virus. There is the alien, the explorer slash mentor. And there's the alien, the invader and conqueror. And all of these are fun in their own way. The Alien the Monster template is the standard alien that is a mindless creature out to kill and eat people, and most commonly used for the telling of haunted house in space stories. Of course, the classic example of this is the original Alien movie. And well, of course, the original Alien does hint at intelligent alien life, we have the big guy in the spaceship where the eggs are, and this sets up the later Prometheus movie and its sequel that I'll probably talk about at some point. I think those movies were kind of weird, but definitely worth talking about later. But for now, the original Alien movie hints at intelligent alien life, but it basically gives us the Alien the Monster story. And I suppose not a lot of politics to talk about in Alien or these kinds of alien-as-monster stories. Although I will say, the Alien franchise, beginning with the first movie and becoming more established in the sequels, does tell us a little bit about political and economic and social life in the Alien universe. And we do get hints of how, apart from the fact that there are monster aliens in the galaxy, we get hints that this setting is really pretty dark and grimy and brutal. We get the sense that giant corporations sort of control the lives of individuals and seem to dominate politics in alien it's the Wayland yutani corporation that owns the ship the nostromo that ends up picking up the alien and we find that this corporation secretly set up the crew to discover this alien because they want it and they were willing to sacrifice the crew to get it and we get more hints of how horrible this corporation is over time and we also get the sense that this corporation has so much power that they can pretty much do what they want to the point where it seems like this corporation is in the sequel aliens basically Sending the military out to this colony they own to check things out. So when you get to a point where a corporation can kind of tell the military where to go and what to do, things are getting scary. And of course, this fear that giant mega corporations will, just through their sheer wealth and how many jobs they control and create, will come to hold significant political power is something that's certainly debated today. There's concerns that Amazon and Apple and Google and these corporations have too much power derived from. their wealth, their ability to lobby governments, and of course is a staple of the cyberpunk genre, giving us settings where in a dark, bleak future, these corporations have come to overshadow governments in terms of political power. So we do get little hints of politics and economics in Alien, the warning of sort of capitalism run amok and corporations becoming a new generation of robber barons, using their money and their influence to dominate the political process and leaving the rest of us as pawns for them to move around on a board. And going along with this, of course, Alien kind of giving us the same theme that we talked about last week coming out in a lot of zombie movies, the idea that human beings are usually the greater threat. The aliens are scary monsters, but it's the human beings that will really stab you in the back. They're the ones you got to worry about. And of course, the sequel, Aliens, also giving us a little bit of guerrilla warfare and asymmetric warfare. James Cameron basically said that in Aliens, he wanted to do a Vietnam War movie in space. And that's sort of what we get. We have the space marines with the latest technology and training get their asses kicked by an enemy force without any of this technology through sheer force of numbers and their knowledge of the terrain and their determination to defeat the enemy So we do get a little bit of that there. Also, interesting side note, apparently the book Starship Troopers, which has been talked about on this show in the past, was required reading for the actors who played the Space Marines in Aliens. Apparently in the lead up to the filming, all the actors who were playing the Space Marines were required to read Starship Troopers. It was supposed to help get them into character. And I I gotta say, I, I don't think they took that assignment seriously. Aliens is a great movie. It's a lot of fun. I love the Space Marines i love the performances but i really don't get starship troopers vibes from them every time i hear bill paxton screaming game over man i i don't think juan rico in starship troopers there there's just not a lot of professionalism and bravery there so i don't think they took the read starship troopers assignment seriously that's not what comes through in the movies we get very different space marines here Speaking of Bill Paxton, interesting side, side note, I once DM'd a Dungeons & Dragons game where the party pooled their money and bought a horse and for some reason named him Bill Paxton. I still don't know why. I begged them not to. They did it anyway seemingly to spite me, and so I had to run a game where my party was constantly calling for the aid of their horse, Bill Paxton. No idea why that happened. Anyway, that's the alien as the mindless monster. What about the alien as the virus? Now, this seems like a more plausible, more realistic scenario for how we might actually encounter alien life rather than encountering alien life in the form of giant monsters or intelligent civilizations. Seems entirely possible that we're more likely to encounter alien life in the form of bacteria and viruses. But despite being probably a more likely scenario, it doesn't seem to be one that too many people are playing around with. I can't really think of too many stories that deal with the idea of us encountering alien viruses or bacteria and that being the threat. The standard here, I think, is still Andromeda strain. The story of an alien virus that finds its way back to Earth and a team of scientists who are hired to secretly figure out how to cure it before it ends up spreading over the planet and killing us all. Which, by the way, was a great movie. Highly recommend it. And again, I'm surprised more filmmakers, more writers, don't play around with this idea. Especially, I think I've talked to before, in the 90s it seemed like fear of viruses and illness became a much more popular thing for filmmakers. We got movies like Outbreak, and especially today, talking about coronavirus, it's something people are thinking about. I don't know why we're not getting more stories that involve the dangers of alien bacteria but something that really needs to be explored more in fiction. So that's Aliens as the Virus. What about Aliens as the Explorer slash Mentor? Well, I think I'm mostly going to save talking about this for a later episode. The alien, the mentor, the alien, the peaceful explorer doesn't really fit into our horror and Halloween theme for this month. So I certainly will talk about stories that involve aliens as explorers and guides for humanity. But for now, we'll leave that topic for later. I'll just say there are lots of great movies and books that explore this idea that will be worth talking about. We can talk about the movie Contact, Close Encounter. Encounters of the Third Kind, Arrival, all good movies, all worth talking about at some point in the future. What I really want to talk about this week is the trope of the alien, the invader, and conqueror of Earth. This is the story we get in Independence Day and War of the Worlds, Dreamcatcher, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and its numerous variations, including the movie The Faculty, which, by the way, is an incredibly underrated, great movie, starring Elijah Wood in his sort of transition period between his time as a popular child actor and his later years as sort of a major star after being Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. Great movie, a lot of fun, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, dressed up in a high school teen angst backdrop. But anyway, this is the alien as invader story. And this, by the way, also seems like a plausible scenario if we were ever to actually encounter alien life. If it turns out to be intelligent, seems entirely plausible this is the way it would go. A few years before Stephen Hawking died, he actually made news by basically saying this. In an interview, Stephen Hawking essentially said, we probably shouldn't be hoping to make contact with alien life, because if aliens manage to make it here, they will certainly be more technologically advanced than we are. And if the history of Earth has told us anything, it's that when a more advanced civilization encounters a less advanced civilization, really does not go well for the less advanced civilization. And Stephen Hawking saying, yeah, that's probably how it will go. And this has set off something of a debate in nerd circles and among scientists and people who are into these kinds of things. And it seems like sort of two major camps have developed regarding this debate. One camp saying, look at the history of Earth. This is likely what's going to happen. Advanced civilizations invade, conquer, and oppress less advanced civilizations. It's just what we can expect versus the counter-argument that to assume this is to overly anthropomorphize aliens. This camp would argue we're applying Earth history and human behavior, human logic to beings that, if they exist, would be so alien that it would be silly to assume they would have motivations similar to ours and would therefore behave the way we do. And we should be more hopeful about a peaceful encounter with alien life. They won't be like us. They won't display the same negative traits that we do. And personally, I'd really like to believe that. I'd like to think that if intelligent alien life is out there, it's got its shit together. It's figured out how to exist with other beings peacefully. But I tend to find myself more firmly in the Stephen Hawking camp, in the pessimist camp. And for me, I guess it comes down to, I I don't see how the basic principles of evolution could produce beings all that different from us. I know the argument is that alien life would be so completely different from us because the starting conditions would be different, evolution would take a different course, and we'd likely see beings that are totally different, think totally different, have completely different motivations, and they might end up being more peaceful than us. And I guess this sort of draws on chaos theory, right? The idea that the same process could produce different results if you have just slight differences in the starting conditions. And I can see that argument, but I don't really buy it because I guess I just never could see how the starting conditions could be so different as to override some basic necessities of physics and chemistry and just evolutionary principles. I guess what I'm thinking is, yeah, maybe the starting conditions on some alien planet could be different. Maybe gravity is stronger or weaker. Maybe we end up with life that's silicone-based instead of carbon-based. We could have some starting differences, but it seems like the same evolutionary pressures are going to be at work no matter what. No matter what the starting conditions are, no matter what slight variations in life there are at the start, life on an alien world is still going to be constrained by the same basic pressures that life on earth was constrained by. You're still going to have organic beings that need to consume some kind of organic matter to live. It's still going to be survival of the fittest. The beings that are better at living long enough to pass on their genes are the ones that are going to survive and thrive. And so it seems like at the end of the day, there's no escaping that. So we're still going to have an evolutionary process that produces beings that are good at looking out for themselves, that tend towards self-interest. And so I guess I could never see how evolution, no matter how you tweak the starting conditions, could ever produce beings that are too different from us in terms of motivations, the drive to survive, expand, protect themselves, secure a future for their offspring, it seems like those motivations are always going to be replicated. And by the way, speaking as someone who is not a biologist, this is nowhere near my expertise. I'd love to hear from anthropologists, biologists who could maybe tell me I'm off base on this. Evolution could produce totally different results. But that was always my take. I tend to assume if there is intelligent alien life out there, in terms of their motivations, their drives, I suspect they probably Wouldn't be that different from us. And if that's the case, if aliens end up visiting Earth, it seems likely, yeah, they'll probably do the same things human beings end up doing, which is really scary and really depressing. But that was always my take. I think if intelligent life is out there and it finds us, we're probably looking at more of an Independence Day scenario or a War of the World scenario. Except probably not going to go as well for us as it does in the movies. I'll talk about this in a minute during my side rant. But I'll just add, regarding the alien invasion movies, an interesting variation I've seen developing over the last 10 years or so that I don't think we saw as much in the past is the alien invasion that's already been successful and now we are seeing humanity under occupation and we're seeing alien stories that involve human collaborators and human resistance movements. I'm thinking of the TV show Colony, which I think had two or three seasons and starred the guy who played Sawyer in Lost. I'm thinking of the John Goodman movie, Captive State. So alien stories where the alien invasion has already happened, the aliens have been successful, and now rather than seeing humanity fighting the aliens in a war, we're seeing humanity that has been occupied and conquered, and we're seeing humans figure out how to survive under alien rule. And I wonder if we started seeing more stories like this in a post-Iraq War world, where concepts like this were in the news more. Where we were hearing stories about resistance to a powerful invading force. We're seeing talk of how people survive under such conditions. Do they work with their invaders? Do they try to resist them in some way? So I wonder if that's when we started getting more stories like this. But this is a variation of the alien story that I think we're seeing more of. That's interesting. How would a conquered humanity deal with living under alien rule? Would we fight? Would we try to just work with the aliens and get by? And so that's my brief take on alien stories, at least the scarier side of alien stories in fiction. Thank you. And side rant. I wanted to talk a little bit about the pointlessness of fighting against an alien invasion. I know this is a popular alien story, and the movies and novels that deal with this are fun. The idea of a scrappy group of humans fighting off an alien invasion, it's a lot of fun to watch. Independence Day is still great, but it's just not believable. And to some extent, I think it kind of takes me out of the story in these kinds of movies, and it's always hard for me to really get into it. The idea that the plucky humans are going to fight an in alien invasion is just silly. If intelligent alien life makes its way to Earth, the fact that they're here tells us that the technology gap between our civilizations is utterly astounding. For aliens to be able to come to Earth, their technology would have to be so far beyond human comprehension that we're entering the territory of that Arthur C. Clarke quote about technology sufficiently advanced being indistinguishable from magic. If aliens make it here, then They have figured stuff out that we can't even begin to understand, and therefore, we have no hope of defeating them. If aliens get here, at the very least, they must have developed some near or faster-than-light form of travel, and that means they could basically just launch something into our planet and obliterate it, assuming they wanted to. No, if aliens get here, they're conquering us. There's no question. If they don't want to outright destroy our planet, which they almost certainly would be able to, then they're conquering us. There's no military force that's going to defeat them. I suppose some kind of insurgency would be possible depending on what the aliens want. We've seen throughout history, dramatically technologically inferior groups can fight and defeat more technologically advanced civilizations if they're willing to just keep fighting and make it so costly for the more advanced civilization to keep going that they finally just give up and say it's not worth it fighting anymore. Maybe we could do that, assuming we could figure out what the aliens want once they've conquered us, and assuming we could then just make it so difficult for them to get what they want that they finally just give up and go home and decide to go somewhere else. But I guess that would require us understanding what they want. And I just don't know what aliens would want. Again, assuming they came here and assuming they decided to conquer us, I don't know what they'd be getting out of it. Again, I suspect they probably would do that because I just think that's kind of what life in the galaxy is like. But I don't know what aliens would be trying to get from invading Earth. Almost certainly not resources. A civilization advanced enough to come here probably isn't going to care about whatever minerals we have in the ground. They can probably get anything they want out of asteroids and unpopulated planets for cheaper than what it would take to take stuff from Earth. Maybe they would care about our biodiversity. Maybe they'd want to conquer us for the sake of having access to all this interesting life just for the sake of having it. Maybe it would be a Borg-like desire to absorb and assimilate other cultures. Maybe it's some sort of drive for cultural hegemony. Maybe the aliens would be motivated by religious zeal. I think we always tend to assume alien life would be atheistic. They would have evolved beyond religion, but again, it hasn't happened for humanity. We're still religious. It seems plausible that aliens, even advanced alien life, would continue to hold religious beliefs, and maybe they'd hold religious beliefs that tell them they have to conquer the rest of the galaxy and spread their religious beliefs to others. Maybe they would be here thinking they're saving us the same way some European colonists convinced themselves they were saving the people of Africa when they conquered them. Or maybe it would be something truly alien. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe if aliens come here, their desires, their motivations would be completely outside of human comprehension. In which case, we're probably really screwed because then we don't even know how to communicate with them or how to make it more difficult for them to get what they want and insurgency kind of becomes impossible. So we might be screwed in any event. But then again, I suppose all of this is based on the assumption that alien life... Intelligent alien life is out there, which is still a question up for debate. The Drake equation would seem to indicate that the existence of intelligent alien life is probably pretty likely. But in the words of the physicist Enrico Fermi, where is everybody? If intelligent alien life is out there, really, shouldn't we have gotten some sign of it by now? Not necessarily visitation, but shouldn't we have picked up some radio signal at some point? The silence really does seem deafening at this point. So, maybe all of this is just fun academic discussion and science fiction. Maybe we are alone in the universe and we have nothing to worry about. On the other hand, if that's true, is that really cause for happiness? I'll leave off with one more quote from the science fiction author, Arthur C. Clarke. Two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe, or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. Thank you. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Sorry it was a short episode this week, but I had to devote my time to paying the bills and hopefully I'll have more to talk about next week. In the meantime, please be in touch on social media. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, suggestions for future episodes. Please consider subscribing and reviewing. As always, you can be in touch with me on Twitter at Social Sci-Fi Show, on Facebook at Social Science Fiction Podcast, on Instagram at Social underscore Sci underscore Fi, and you can email me at socialsciencefictionshow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. New episode every Tuesday. See you then.